I am so fucking happy this next person answered my call and decided to come and do the show with us. Uncle Joey Diaz is here. What's up, guys? Welcome. Hi. Nice to see you guys again. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. He was saying me. how excited he was. He was like, you know, I was kind of like nervous about texting him and sending, you know, asking him to come on the podcast. And then I sent him a text. And within 60 seconds, Joey called me and said, yeah, just tell me where you need you me. You know, I got hearing aids because okay. I couldn't focus. Like I would go to a restaurant and if I went to a restaurant with Robert, I communicate with Robert. But if you came to the restaurant, that's it. What I'm hearing is the dishwashers banging dishes and I could hear the f people cutting their steak. Mm. So something was wrong and I worked on a movie and I saw the guy had him and I go, why do you have him? And he goes, I had this problem in my ear and I'm like, that's what it is. Like What's for it years, I, it's there's a name for it. For years, I had to stop going to bars. Like oh, after comedy imagine. clubs, it's a nightmare. Especially those boom, 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 those yeah. things. Yeah, I can't communicate. I'm just yes, you the fucking that. You could tumble. Yeah, right. I just be <laughs> like yeah. And then right, you agree good. to doing someone's podcast. Oh no, no, you don't even know what the fuck you're saying <laughs> half the time. So yeah. I finally went and got them. And when I went and got them, you have to go through your phone. So I'll get a text if I'm not next to my iPad. I'll get you a text next Tuesday. Like I'll be driving and beep, and all of a sudden it's like Tuesday the fifth. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the ninth of September. You know, right. so I was fortunate enough that when you text me, I was right there by the iPad. I was home, and uh, I'm happy I'm here. Because I was like, I, I, it's not that I was nervous to text you because you were so amazing. Like, but it was more so like I was like, I don't want to bother you. Like, I don't want you doing feeling like you got to come. Do Look, the podcast. As long whatever. as it's early, I have a seven-year-old. Yeah, oh, I know. And Mercy. after four fucking o'clock, my world, because Monday through Friday, I do whatever the fuck I want. From eight o'clock, I do jumping jacks. Like I run naked on the five. <laughs> but after four, there's always an activity. Mm -hmm. There's always an activity. And you have to be part of those activities. You know, so after You don't four, have to be. You're making a nice choice. You have to be. You have to. I'm with you. I have a six and a half year old. Yes, so I get the it's get what you're weird, talking about. Especially where I live. I've seen some fucked up shit. You know, I'm New York City, 205 West 88th Street raised. You know, you stayed outside till Mr. Softy came. And then you went in, you ate, you got washed up, little Puerto Rican shower. And you went outside to wait for the rats to come out to kill a fucking rat. <laughs> And you just didn't kill him. You hit him with a bat, rocks, you lit him on fire, you <laughs> ran over him oh with God. your bicycle. You know, so I come from a different, I remember I saw something on Eyewitness News with Diane Sawyer about a, a teacher, a professor in Yale, one of those fucking schools that taught their twin babies how to swim at 11 months old and how to look underwater. And, and, it, and it was just brilliant. So when my wife had the baby, I go, let's sign her up at the Y. So after six months, we signed her up at the Y, and I would go to the Y, and I would go in there with my fat fucking titties hanging <laughs> the fucking Y with my water, with my daughter and my wife, and I noticed that all these white kids had Mexican mothers, and I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> fucked up that all these white ladies adopted these Mexican kids. How fucking nice of them. Yeah. And I realized that they were nannies, mm -hmm. and the parents Half of them were there, half of them weren't there. And if they were there, there they were texting. So wait yeah. a second, you're a parent and you're at a, the, the hardest thing for your child is to establish trust. And I'm a fucking criminal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. I was raised by a Cuban fucking nutcase. So uh, if I saw this, what the fuck is your kid gonna turn out? There's yeah. no trust. Yeah. You're in sitting there sit, texting with your tattoos on your leg and your fucking <laughs> kids getting learned how to fucking swim by some lady that's illegal. If ISIS comes in, your kid drowns because she's yeah. gotta run out of the fucking pool. Yeah. Your kids are Ghana, you know what I'm saying? Immigration, watch them scatter. Yeah. So this is what you're telling me. So this, <laughs> so this is the society we live in today. My mom had a bar and you know, I, I look at my daughter sometimes at dinner like at six. And I'm like, look at her, like, she's just eating with no worries. In my yeah. world, I was getting ready, I was getting dressed yeah. after dinner to go to the bar with my mother because she wouldn't trust the fucking babysitter. And in the back of the bar, in the manager's room, they had like a little cot, and I would stay there, and then at three, she'd wake me up, and we'd park on 86th Street and walk on Broadway to 88th Street, and 
That was my fucking day. And the next day wow. I went to PS 166. So even though my mother was crazy, I see how she raised me and I know how I want to be in my daughter's mm -hmm. life. I yeah. want to be the same way. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Fuck yeah. it. You know, I yeah. there's no complaints. I grew up on uh, on 92nd Street. I went to PS6. It's all the same. You yeah, know, everything yeah, you're saying, same. I'm like, yeah, I it's know. the same shit. Yeah. I, uh, What's PS6? I grew up in California. Yeah. Public what is school. It's, it's, a, it's a different thing. So PS public stands school? stands for public school and then the number. So we got uh, <laughs> March Madness is Get coming it? up. And we've never played a game on this show before, but I wanted to play a game with you. So it's going to be like Uncle Joey's March Madness. So I'm going to tell you two things, and you tell me which thing makes you the angriest. All okay. right? So we got two things. The first, we start off right. So it's gonna be a bracket, and we're gonna figure out what thing out of all these makes you the most fucking pissed off. He's so trying the, to activate you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing we got, Dave Matthews, and the smell of cigarettes. Which one pisses you off more? Dave Matthews. Okay. Hold on, I'm gonna. Especially when he's barefoot and shit, <laughs> drives me fucking crazy. I see a bunch of white people jumping up and down. Listen, I don't wish no bad on nobody. That motherfucker got voted the most for the Hall of Fame. And they didn't put him in for a fucking reason. Like, they didn't, he got a million votes and yeah. he didn't get put into the Hall of Fame. He All just. Right. So I'd rather. I could deal with the smell of fucking cigarettes. All right. All right. Richard Gear or George Domino's likes Pizza? Dave Matthews band. Richard Gear? He hates Richard Gear. I used to hate Richard Gear. Because he was cock blocking me when I was fourteen. Oh. You see, I, I took a girl to the movies, mm. and then he did American Gigolo. Yeah, and here oh, I yeah. am trying to go for titty, and this motherfucker decides to do an exercise upside down and yeah. shows his ass. <laughs> Watch American Gigolo. You yeah. go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And Richard Gere was stunning. Okay. You know, you, he, at nineteen eighty two, he was slinging oh. dick all over New York, and he showed his ass. So and 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 I never forget. I was with a girl. And my friend was with a girl, and my girlfriend froze, and the girl he she was with covered her eyes, and I remember tapping him, going, "You're in no danger." Yeah, like you're in no danger. Yeah. At least my girl fucking sighed. There's hope there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a little hope. But now, after watching Office and the Gentleman, I fell in love with Richard Gere. And in fact, last night Primal Fear was on. Oh, the best! And I fucking watched it, and I was like, "How good looking was him?" Like, thank God he was a Buddhist. Because mm. if he was a Catholic, there would be a, a thousand white kids. He would have had more kids than, <laughs> yeah. than he would have had more kids than Mick Jagger. And he just pays you off, Mick Jagger. Like, you don't give a fuck. Like, Jamie, listen, I love you, but it's over. Yeah, oh yeah. All right, I'm just gonna give you twenty million. And did you see the Super Bowl? Yeah. yeah. They showed Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Oh, I know. And they oh, yeah, showed yeah. his wife. Yeah. That yeah. was Rupert Mick Jagger's wife. At one time, and she went to oh, she yeah. went from Mick Jagger to Rupert Murdoch. That's the type of woman she is. But she likes money. he married her, and when she filed for divorce, Mick Jagger told her, "Suck my dick." Yeah, I married you with a voodoo <laughs> priest, so it doesn't count. <laughs> he married yeah. her in Jamaica. He married her. Mick Jagger for you to get a dollar out of Mick Jagger. Yeah. You got a better chance. Fucking, you don't get a dollar out of Mick Jagger. Yeah. <laughs> Mick Noted. Jagger's got it timed. Noted. He threw the voodoo wedding thing out. It was a voodoo <laughs> priest that was a stoner, so he wasn't legit. She got dick. He gave her like three million. Same dude that did your ayahuasca trip. Yeah, same guy. And that guy was, you know, what's Mick Jagger worth? Millions. He he just Rolling got a Brazilian man, chick right? pregnant. He looked at her. He told her, "Listen, I like you." But it ain't gonna happen. He did the times table, six hundred a month times eighteen, and he gave her a check. And he goes, "Lose my number. I don't want to see the kid, Mick Jagger." You know. Anyway, I don't get. I don't know even know how we got on poor Mick Jagger. <laughs> Leave Mick Jagger alone. Domino's Pizza, that I. So, so no. Domino's Pizza over Richard Gere, then. You fucking hate. No, Domino's. I love Richard Gere. No, but I'm saying Domino's Pizza makes you more angry than yes, Richard Gere. Yes, absolutely. Because you grew up in New York. Fuck Domino's. Yeah. All right, what about Olive Garden or an Uber driver who wants to talk to you the whole ride? I'll take an Uber driver because I'll open the window and make believe me no hablo. You know, so like I'm diciendo. So, so Olive Garden makes you more pissed. Oh, and the fact that there's an Olive Garden on Times Square. Yeah. Gets my fucking stomach going. Why? Me too. Because only Why? a fucking tourist would walk yeah. into fucking Olive Garden on Times fucking Square. Why would you put an Olive Garden on Times Square? Who allowed that? To make people you know, from I'm, elsewhere comfortable. I live, I live here, and every once in a while I go to Governor's on Long Island, and they put me in the hotel across the street from the fucking Uniondale 
Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times I'll be on that elevator and I'll see like two little fucking kids with Domino's pizza and that little white dad with the Izod shirt on. <sighs> and I want to choke him and tell him, you know where the fuck you are? <laughs> You know what the fuck you are, and you're eating Domino's pizza, <laughs> yeah, you no, dumb you motherfucker. You came all the way to Long Island to eat Domino's fucking pizza. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what those kids like or what they don't like. You're in New York. Fucking respect yeah. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So I yeah. hate fucking Olive Garden. I, I'm with you. I hate Domino's too, but the only times I ever ordered it in New York was like if it was like 1 a.m., there's nothing else. Look, trust me, I'm a stoner. One time I ordered it in a hotel, mm-hmm. ate two slices, threw oh. away. A good law and order came on. I went back in the garbage in the hallway <laughs> and I fucking ate it again. That like, what the fuck did I have? Oh, oh, that man. good ice shit. Like, ugh, it's so bad. It's All terrible. Right. Yeah, I think a good Russian dressing really fucking. You hate Russian dressing. No, I hate ranch dressing. Oh, is it ranch? Ranch, you're not allowed Fuck. to sit at the table. I say, Russian dressing is such a New York How could thing. I? Oh, Russian dressing is delicious. It just, it's just ketchup and mayonnaise. Yeah, it oh, okay. just blows you up. Yeah, you hate ranch. Ranch dressing. Like, you're not even allowed to sit at my table. Mm. Like I take it that personal. I agree. I dated a girl who put it on pizza. Yeah, it was the most disgusting. She would over. get a plastic knife or yeah. go get fired. pizza. And fired, fired, oh, yeah, never do fired. that. Fired. Have you gone to Buffalo, New York? No, I've have you gone to Buffalo, New York? I think I have. Been it's to a blue collar fucking city. Yeah. Like they worked hard for everything they've gotten. The wing was invented at the Anchor Bar, and it was invented with blue cheese dressing. Have a little fucking respect. Fisher Price left them. They won't put a baseball team up there, <laughs> even though they're the number one fucking baseball attendance in minor league baseball since 1940. You know, give them some fucking respect. If you're going to eat the fucking wing, blue cheese, and be. celery, and that's it. Yeah. Nothing else. I don't even want the celery or the carrots. No, I like the celery. No, fuck oh. the carrots. Ugh. Fuck the carrots. <laughs> I like the celery. And you take it, and it's got a little piece of blue cheese at the end. Yeah. And you bite into it. Delicious. Okay, celery... And blue cheese. <laughs> that's right. right <laughs> what do you put there. on your hot dog? If I see you put ketchup, yeah, that's what I was saying. That's what I'm. I'm because, mustard only, listen, bitch. Listen, listen, I don't like. I put mustard. ketchup one time on a hot dog when I came from Cuba. My mom took me to the Macy's Day Parade, and they I put ketchup on a hot dog. And I'll never forget, like a New Yorker going. Psst. <laughs> <laughs> no ketchup on hot dogs. Right? <laughs> and, and the way he told me, like yeah. I, I was like. Okay. It's uh, like, yeah, you're one. If I want to be an American, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I got to eat it with mustard. So mm-hmm. New Yorkers, like everybody else has their own rules. Yeah. New Yorkers, no ketchup on a hot dog. Everybody else, you do what you want. You can jump up and down with ketchup. But as far as the New Yorkers are concerned, when I see a New Yorker put ketchup on a hot, on a hot dog, it hurts my fucking feelings. Mm. Like it burns my heart. I, yeah. It really does, guys. Tony Sirico told me... uh a, a, a real man lights his own match and after I was like 14 years old <laughs> and after that I was never able to when somebody like would light a match or light their cigarette and try and give it to me I would like smack it out of their yeah, hand I, no. I couldn't do it <laughs> it's that's, nice. that's when you start to figure out you like dudes <laughs> Italian guys as they get older they are the funniest people in the oh, world yeah. oh when i grew up in jersey there was a guy that would always tell me when i was 14 jamie he'd always look me in the eye like he would be like digging tomatoes and you know, <laughs> like i hung out with his four sons and you know like we would cocarini if you ever want to kill somebody invite them over for dinner you know it's 90 degrees out we're, we're planting tomatoes and out of nowhere he would right. say to me if you want to kill somebody, invite them over for dinner. <laughs> and I remember going home. I, I was like a nice Catholic kid, you yeah. know, like, okay. Every three, okay. every three months, he would say to me, like, out of nowhere, like, we'd, tip, be, yeah. we'd be driving down the shore. Remember what I told you? If you want to kill somebody, invite them over for dinner. <laughs> In 1983, I go to Hashway's Deli one day, and my buddy goes, do you see the paper? And he gives it to me. Carmine Balzano shoots a <laughs> guy in his house seven times in the back in self-defense. He was a cop, oh. and he got away with it. They just took away his pension. He got away with it. He didn't do a fucking day at wow. time. Must be nice. Wow. But you just, got that, James? But yeah, just when you little, kill your next person, just invite him over for dinner Just the little first. things he would say, like, <laughs> if you ever want to kill somebody, invite him over for dinner. Yeah, and I would go. What the fuck is he talking about? It's funny how yeah, like old know? people throw 
away little things like that and you think about it for your yeah, life. Like there, I, there's things that my grandfather has said to me just in passing that he said, well, while like driving the car, that to this day, I'll look out the window and I'm like, why the fuck did he tell that guy in the car to sit down? Like he was driving his car, he was sitting down and he yelled at him out of his window to sit down. <laughs> and I'll always think about that. I'm like, why did he say out of everything he could say to sit at just fucking... Yeah. It's the best. A real man lights his own match. Yeah. Because there were like two of us somewhere like trying to get on one match. And he's like, you fuck, you know, he said he said stuff you could say fucking. Oh, my God. 20 years ago and not get in trouble. So gluten free pizza or ranch dressing? We're going with. What the fuck is gluten free pizza anyway? <laughs> I know a lady who owns two gluten free pizza places in New York. She always invites me. She's a sweetheart of a lady. Double zero. You had her on your show. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy yeah. woman. Whatever yeah. her name is. <laughs> she was fucking breast milking at. She was making cocktails with breast milk at Burning Man. Oh. They show the sense. pictures of her with the fucking farmer <laughs> making <laughs> breast milk margaritas. And these people drinking it. Those oh, people yeah. should all be shot and hung and shot again. <laughs> Look, She's I think that's nuts. like li that shit's liquid gold. Like, trust me, I get it. But that's weird. But I guess in Burning Man, right? Well, that's I, the place to make my a girlfriend has a friend cocktail. in Venice that had would just had a kid, and she's like, "Yeah, let me know if you you want any try her breast milk." And I was like, "I don't know why." Why would I do that? Apparently, there's nu nutritious. There is. Yeah, but you know, people drink their own baby. pee. I'm not gonna drink my own pee because there's fucking people think there's vitamins in uh, there or whatever. This could be not. a new thing that I don't know about. But yeah, but the breast milk could it be. It has. Thing. It, well, it's really the reason why it's really just meant for the child is because the child's saliva actually communicates with the woman's mammary glands, and so what they're lacking nutritionally, or if they have a cold, like your oh, body shit. makes oh, the antibodies yeah. that your child will need, so it changes color. Like when my son had a bad cold, my milk got like super dense. Like it just, it's amazing. Sorry. No, that's, no, that's dope. I'll actually take milk. a pint, but make sure you fucking pour it right <laughs> down but his I lips. I tried to get Cutter to try it, he would not. That's my husband. Yeah. I tried well, it. I, would, yeah, I tried try it. It, it okay. tastes like like very sweet almond milk. Oh, sounds great. That actually sounds real good. It's yeah. Why don't no, you, you know. Why don't you pour us a little shot? <laughs> I don't know, and a little vodka. How <laughs> uh, it if my wife through. had some tit milk coming, I would try it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's I don't a think miracle. It's a big deal. I don't know. I don't know. I got her other juices in my mouth. I might as well. Oh. <laughs> it's true. Know. There's probably way worse things you've drank. Yeah. You know what's one time? So I, I was listening your your podcast so good, but one time you told a story and then you didn't like elaborate on it. You just threw it away. You were like, you were like, I was dating this girl and fucking two a seagull stole a hot dog out of my. Out of, but you know, I don't think you ever told the story. You just kind of said it and then <laughs> kept going with something else. And I was on the edge of my seat. I'm like, I gotta know what the fuck happened. I was in uh, Skaganon, Michigan. Saginaw, Michigan. What were you doing there? Doing comedy. This yeah. had to be okay. this had to be nineteen ninety-nine. And I would it was two weekends. You did Bay City and then you did Skaganaw. And the owner was a theater that he was a fucking he had a wig, a really bad toupee, and you did the show on Friday and Saturday. So what was I gonna do in those days? I right. couldn't afford to come all the way back to LA. Right. So from Monday through Thursday, he would put you up. Friday and Saturday at a hotel. But Monday through Thursday, I had to stay at like a fucking Motel 6 for thirty nine ninety five. you know, people banging next to you, people knocking on your door asking if you want drugs and shit. And I was living on a budget, so I crossed the street. I'm in Michigan, I crossed the street to like a supermarket and they had two hot dogs for a dollar. Like the whole week I lived off hot dogs, or Subway sandwiches, the veggie and cheese. Yeah. So this is, yeah, 98, 99. So I get You're nice. not eating the meat from Subway? No, 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 no. Even then, I knew not to eat <laughs> that Maluka meat. That fucking, no. So <laughs> it's bad enough you eat the cheese and the radioactive tomato. God knows where I get the <laughs> fucking tomatoes from and shit. But you're broke. And this is what you do when you're a, you know, uh, whatever the fuck, a mutt. So I go get the hot dogs. I'm stoned. I'm enjoying the hot dogs. And these seagulls start fucking coming over me. <laughs> and they're getting lower and lower. Lower and lower. Lower and lower. It started with two. Then there was four. <laughs> then there was six. Then there was eight. And now they're coming like... Vroom, vroom. So I'm trying to fucking inhale the hot dogs as fast as possible. 
Like, this fucking seagull isn't taking my hot dog. There's no way. So I start trying to eat. It's a jumbo dog. I'm trying to eat the fucking jumbo dog. And finally, they come and they're picking at me. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm trying to run in the parking lot eating a hot dog. And finally, they attack me so much, I just had to throw the hot dog up in the air and run home to, without my I'm fucking hot dog. I'm shocked at that aggression. And the seagulls. I got to listen. If anybody got I got attacked by a fucking, uh, what are those little animals? Squirrel. <laughs> a fucking squirrel in Boulder, Colorado one day. Uh, I was walking out of the campus and this fucking squirrel started like nipping at me. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And I like and then he started like fucking nipping at me and nipping at me and I had to run. He chased me like 20 yards and I kicked him kind of. So, <laughs> There's something the special knows? about you. We got no, I'm telling you, not. we got to get I'm going to call Terry Winter and he's got to fucking, you know Terry Winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got to fucking do your life story, man. Like that. Oh, it's, it's crazy. The scene it's... of you running with the fucking jumbo dog from <laughs> Seagull. It would be the fucking funniest. It's crazy. Like the shit like you oh put out on the road. Wow. <clears throat> you know what's crazy is so when Dice was on your show and he was I think he said something that like I don't think anybody's really ever talked about, which is like when he used to perform every night in front of 20,000 people. And he's like, that energy from all those people goes through you. And then you get off the stage, you go to sleep, you wake up the next day and boom, you're performing again. You're performing again. And he's like, it starts to like affect you. Like, I, I, I don't think people talk about that enough, maybe because the amount of people who get to perform every night for fucking 20,000 people is so small that maybe they don't even realize what's going on do you feel uh that that happens no matter the the size of the crowd or do you notice when you do bigger crowds like that it's like it it, it affects you when you do a big crowd it's fucking crazy like when you go to the comedy store you start in the original room and it's 100, 220 seats and you mitzi would work you out there for a couple months then she'd move you to the main room and that's 450 seats and you would eat dick yeah. <laughs> right off the bat. You go up there with the same fucking jokes you did in the original room, and now you gotta try them in the main room and you eat dicks. And it, and it was and the original room pays you fifteen bucks, right? Every time you do a set. The main room in those days would pay you a percentage of the door. Yeah. Four hundred, three hundred, whatever. It wasn't, you know, nothing to but when you're big broke difference. it's a big difference. How would you like to drive to know that you're gonna bomb? even though you're going to make 300 bucks. So I would have to drive. I remember driving on Sunset going, fuck, I got to follow Don Marrera tonight. Who, this is why I say oh, stand-up always is bombed. the hardest thing. It's oh. the scariest and seems like the hardest thing in the It's fucking life. so scary, but it's like jumping in Coney Island on January 1st. Mm. You know, like when you, before it's so scary, but once you do it, you feel fucking great that you did it, yes. you know? Yes, So I had to learn how to adjust to bigger crowds. Now I'm doing 1,500 seats, and it's completely different. Your timing has to be off because you have to let the energy go out mm. and settle, and then it comes back like a wave. Wow. So your timing in the original room, so if I'm in the original room Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I go to New York and do whatever the fuck town hall, I gotta change up my timing. Yeah, I can't come out there like a gorilla. Like at the fucking store, I come out like a gorilla. Yeah, it's two hundred twenty people. It's I just overtake them with energy. Right. I just over. I can't do that when I have fifteen hundred people. I gotta sit back more, and relax, and fucking you know, be wow. patient. So it's a it's twenty eight years of doing something. Like you think of somebody like. Fucking Edie Falco. Mm -hmm. She could do this shit in her sleep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Edie Falco could do this shit in her sleep. Before Edie Falco became Edie Falco, she did a thousand fucking things. Yeah. You know? And you get better as you go along. You guys, how did you feel? How was your transition from the pilot to season six? I feel like it was very <coughs> sheltered because, well, A, we were supported by like the best writing. So I feel, I found I was, I had to start over when the show was done because all of a sudden you're like having to put a lot, like you're reading something, you're auditioning and you're like, why is this hard all of a sudden? It was for me, Sopranos, like it was the world was there, the life was there, you were supported by great actors, the writing was perfect. So like, 
there wasn't much figuring out to do. Like when I got to read other people's things, not to shit on it, but it was it was harder for me, like as an actress. And then it just, I feel like I started over since, like I feel like now I'm like at this point where I'm like grasping like my acting 10 years after the show's done because I put in the work since then. Does that make sense? Yes. I don't know if you guys knew it while you were doing it. Like I'm 57 years old. I've worked with Sam Raimi, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, you yeah. know. I worked with a lot of directors that were great and a lot of guys that were supposed to be fucking super great. Nobody, and I tell you this with all the sincerity in the world, I've even become a different comic since I worked with David Chase. Oh. Really? At 56, he affected me How? that much. Timing. David Chase is a comedic genius. Yeah. He made me, hmm. come on, how the fuck does somebody make an intervention funny? That is yeah, one of the funniest scenes in Hollywood history when he hits him with the fucking chair and the whole thing. And you're going home. Who convinced? I still remember in 98 having a bio. Okay. This 98, we got Bon Jovi. You got Bruce Springsteen, who everybody loves, right? You got Bon Jovi. You got all this shit. And I still remember in 1998 having a resume and my agent calling me and going, Can I talk to you? Can you change that? New Jersey to New York. And I'm like, why? She goes, nobody wants to be from New Jersey. <laughs> this is how That's much. Crazy. And I still remember my buddies coming to see me and going, can we talk to you for a second? Why does it say Hell's Kitchen on your fucking yeah. resume instead of North Bergen, New Jersey? And I go, don't start with me. <laughs> yeah. This is how much David changed the game. He made New Jersey cool, even though we already had Springsteen and fucking this guy and Sinatra. Fucking, he made New Jersey cool. So you guys were working for one of the best in the business and didn't really even know it at the no. time. Like, who the fuck you were really around? Yeah. Like, my first day of, of the sequel, I was completely lost. And then I went back to scenes. Like, I think I booked the audition because of one of the episodes when they're having a conversation towards the end in season seven, and Jimmy tells Sylvia in the middle of the conversation, and there was Springsteen came on. Springsteen was playing, and he tells Sylvia, and it was like a joke. Yeah, yeah. Something that, you know, so in the audition, he had a scene similar to that and I remember going, oh, I'm gonna read it the way James did it in that scene because that's how he likes it read. Yeah. So my first day on the set, I was fucking confused, <laughs> but I caught on to his comedy. And I went back to the hotel, that room, put on HBO Go and started from the pilot and saw his brilliance. You know, I have a mistake when I do comedy. I rush through the comedy. I'm a New Yorker, man. Sure. I'm yeah. trying to get on top of you. David thinks differently. David wants to hit you with the joke for it to be subtle and for it to spread like a nuclear fucking bomb. You know? And the more silence that there is, that silence, that timing, uh, Mr. Soprano, you're going to have to sit in a fucking chair. And Junior's like, I ain't sitting in no fucking chair. And all of a sudden, they send the biggest, blackest dude into the room, and he looks at Junior, and Junior looks at him, and you can tell Junior wants to say, fuck you. Right. David's like, no, don't say a word. Just sit down. And you fucking laugh. You know, he made women in a Me Too. Look what the Me Too ever did. He, he sold the show where a guy cheated on his wife. And who was, my wife would turn into that show before me. Like mm -hmm. six o'clock Sundays out here, you couldn't call the fucking house. Mm -hmm. yeah. Women were watching a show where a man cheated on his wife. Yeah. David fucked with your mind that much. He killed people. He killed yeah. <laughs> for him. Forget cheating on his wife. Yeah. He killed people. That's nothing. Life's complicated, That's nothing. Jamie. <laughs> That's nothing. Just the whole cheating thing just that alone in this where women women would go home and watch that it was riveting to them so did you, know? you get the whole script 
Or did you just get your parts? Yeah, how much are you allowed to talk about? Because we're super interested. In... Nothing. Yeah. yeah because, but <laughs> Nothing. did but did you get the whole script, or you just got your? Because sometimes you just get your your scenes that you're in. Dog, or sometimes I went to you... the table read. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. I know. But I even to, still, I went to the table read. I sat right by me. Was like a little table with like fucking prosciutto <laughs> and mozzarella and crackers yeah. and shit. So the whole table read. Yeah, I'm interested in the table read. <laughs> But I'm also interested in this fucking prosciutto yeah, over yeah. here. <laughs> but you couldn't walk in there like a fucking animal right off the bat. People are like, hey, how you doing? I'm whatever. Yeah. And I'm looking at the prosciutto. Like, <laughs> I don't really want to talk to nobody. I just want to dive into it. It was nice, nice, like that cheese oh, that's yeah. red oh, with the sure. red they wrapper. They slice it real and then yeah. they, oh, curl they, it. they threw down. She's like, I'm Cindy. So, like, yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm like listening to the script. Huh? Yeah, huh? All of a sudden you read and all of a sudden I go, I was on everybody claps, and I go good. As I'm clapping, <laughs> I turn around to go get the cheese, and when I come back, the script was gone, <laughs> gone. Oh, gone. they snagged it for within me. two minutes. Gone. That's it. Never saw it again. Never heard nothing, and didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Didn't care. I don't need to. Yours need is not it. the reason why. Yours is just to do or die. Who the fuck am I to read the script or yeah. whatever? Yeah. You know, it was really interesting. But I just turned. Guys, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I'm, I couldn't I wait to fucking turn back around and eat and look at this. When I turned back, they were gone. By the end yeah. of the show, we were barely getting full scripts. And if we were, they were like heavily numbered and marked. Yeah. Yeah, they would like number them and de but the problem was we would we'd always get the first full script, but then they would send us like the revisions and it would be like you know, 745B, red pages that with the date on it. And then somebody would have to come to your apartment and you would have to sign for it when you got them. So it couldn't, they couldn't just be like, oh, leave them in my mailbox or with yeah. my doorman or whatever. It had to be your signature mm -hmm. when you got the pages. It got real crazy. And the funny thing is, I was such a fucking disaster, like partying everything. If anybody, like I was having after hours at my fucking apartment, there would be pages all over the place. I would leave jackets at clubs. There would be the sides would be in the fucking <laughs> thing of the last day. I was, I was out of my fucking, but there was, it was a time where everybody used to ask us in interviews and stuff like, oh, who told you to keep it quiet? What's it? No one. You just, you knew. Yeah. It was, and by the way, why the fuck would I want to tell somebody? Right. Why would I want to, like, it was, there was never a thought in your mind of like, oh, I can't wait to go home and tell my friends. First of all, most of my friends didn't watch it. There were a lot of people in my family who, who wanted to know shit. But I'd be like, why would I tell my uncle the end of the season? It's fucking, I want him to watch it. It's, it's good. Yeah. Joe, you had a, you've had a, a real interesting sort of relationship with The Sopranos, right? You had a story about how you didn't drop off the tape for the audition originally right okay so i went to new york in 99 or summer of 98 and i went to my buddy's chirpies his brother had like a tape fucking uh where you make duplicates so i took one of my sets from the comedy store and i gave him like three sets of tapes and he gave me back like four copies and my manager at the time ken phillips called me and he goes you got to drop one off at global you got to drop one off here you got to drop one off at this one company uh, the Sopranos, and I'm like, what? Mm. I don't, I can't fucking sing. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And yeah. I dropped all three of them off, except the Sopranos. And I didn't know what the Sopranos was, and I was in Cleveland, and an ex-girlfriend of mine called me. And she goes, "Have you seen this fucking show?" And I go, "What are you talking about?" And she broke it down for me because she was a stripper. Yeah. She goes, "They're fucking based out of a strip club. It's fucking crazy." And I remember going back and catching like the end of episode five. And then that was it. Like I didn't know anything. And then I got invited to do a Latino Laugh Festival at Caroline's. And when I got off stage, there was a blonde chick there. She goes, we're looking for a guy like you. What are you doing tomorrow at 11? Can you meet Georgine Walken at this address? And I was like, fine. And I went, showed up. And I remember sitting on the street and a woman comes up to me and she goes, you should go upstairs and leave your information because I'm looking for guys like you. And I go, who are you? And she goes, Georgianne Walken. And I go, I'm your 11 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so we got on the elevator and I'll never forget saying, can I ask you a personal question? Are you really married to Christopher Walken? And she goes, yeah. And I go, people think his best movie is Deer Hunter. They're wrong. It's a close range. And she looked at me and she goes, I felt like that all my life also. Uh, so really? off the bat, we hit it oh. off. Yeah. So she, I read for her. 
I read uh, for the cop first, the undercover cop for pussy, the one that mm-hmm. takes pussy in. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Buffalo, and they called me when I was in Buffalo. They wanted to see me Monday for like Gigi or something. Right. So I went in like three times. It was like Gigi, uh, Bacala. I went in four. They called, so they liked me. But I remember in the auditions, my hands were always shaking. Like at the producer sessions, I wasn't ready for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have lost my mind. I wasn't ready yeah. for it at all. Yeah. So I didn't get any of those roles. But George Ann told me on the way out, <clears throat> she goes, "I want you to keep sending me every anything you book." I want you to send it to me. I'm going to work hard on this for wow. you. And then she called me for a stand-up comic. She goes, can you come in to New York like in three days and do the stand-up comedy thing? And I couldn't. I was shooting something else. And then one day out of the blue, I'm shooting Spider-Man 2, and she calls me. And she goes, they're putting in Pussy's brother. I got it for you. You just got to put the audition on tape. I go, I'm at Sony. And in those days, it was a fax machine. You had yeah, a sure. you had to be home to switch the thing from the thing. <laughs> my wife is an accountant, my girlfriend at the time. I go, we're not home. I go, if you need to send me the size, send them to the comedy store. So she sent them to the comedy store after Spider-Man, because in Spider-Man, you'd wrap at fucking 11 o'clock, even though you got there at 6 in the morning. Right. They would have you there all day. And I would go to this comedy store. And when I got there, the waitress said to me, your sides are in the back. Dom Herrera is reading for the same role also. He got his side sent here. I put my things on tape. She called me and said, you're on hold for four episodes. They don't know what they're going to do with this character for four episodes. And then I get a call Friday night at 2 in the morning. And it's Jan saying, like, listen, I can't put you on. You told somebody you were going to be, you had an audition and it got back to the producers. So you're fired for lack of confidentiality. What? It was the weirdest thing. That's crazy. So that was the end of that. And that was season five, you said? Season, whenever they go in, it was Phil Leotardo kept going over there to get his car from yeah. from from what's her name. And in one episode, Pussy's brother comes out of the back. And he tells Phil, like, I wasn't here for that. It was a, and it was water under the bridge, that episode. But then I bumped into that kid in an audition. Here's the weirdest thing. I go to New York. I drop off a package for Law & Order SVU. And who's there but the kid, the good-looking kid, who was Phil Leotardo's driver. I never Italian watched the show. Kid. Neither did we. Never watched. You never yeah. watched it. I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about right now. So he was a good Italian, good-looking kid. I bumped into him, and he out of the blue, he's like, "Jesus Christ!" I thought it was Vinny until yeah. I yeah. saw you. Oh, yeah. And he goes, "What's your name?" And I go, "Joey Diaz." And he looks at me, and he goes, "Uh, what's that city?" He goes, "Man, we could have used you a month ago." And I go, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "I shot a scene with some fucking guy." That plays Pussy's brother it was a fucking nightmare. Uh-huh. He was sweating and shit. He couldn't handle it. Like it was too much for him. So they gave him one episode, and that was it. Mm. The first time I saw you, I was like, "Oh, he had to be had to have been on Sopranos, yeah, like, yeah. for sure." It I was, was like, "Crazy!" I, 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 I can't Georgian believe. Did cast the movie? The what? Did Georgian cast no. the movie? No. Well, so here's my question: is that, so you've had this crazy history with the show. Now you're on, you're in the sequel, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have this pressure that? Does it feel like you've got to uphold some sort of like uh, thing or, or is it like all new and fresh and do you feel like you're able to kind of just take it in a direction that you want to take it or do you feel like you have to pay some sort of you know respect to this old show that's iconic and people love and is there pressure on you, I guess, is the question. I think the biggest pressure on me is, honestly, I'm from Jersey. I'm as Jersey as they come. I'm from Hudson County, New Jersey. I'm what they call a tunnel rat. I'm from Union City, where the second biggest population of Cubans, to North Bergen, to West New York. You know, I, I grew up in Hoboken, you know, the home of Sinatra, where, you know, when Hope, North Bergen is where the people from Hoboken who 
got a better job, moved to. That's because the Irish wouldn't let the Italians go past Ninth Street. You got to watch the Sinatra thing on HBO to really understand New Jersey. Yeah. They wouldn't let Italians pass Ninth Street. So they got so pissed off. You got to watch this shit. So a lot of the people I grew up with, their parents used to have Sinatra stories, like mm -hmm. fucking the way you have James Gandolfini stories. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm -hmm. We used to go eat the same sandwiches every day. Like, so the only pressure I have for me, I know it's gonna be a great film. I know it's gonna be a great story. This man did seven, he did a movie for 13 weeks <laughs> for seven years. Every episode was yeah. a fucking movie, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm confident in him. I don't care what he wrote. I don't care what the movie's about. I, I, I'm proud to be a part of it. Yeah. But more for the fucking Jersey thing. Like, yeah. I'm proud. That's like, a great answer. You guys have no idea, like, what it's like to be in Marlboro, New Jersey, <laughs> in 2003, with my sister-in-law, and we're buying groceries, and all of a sudden the supermarket guy comes over and says. The groceries are on me. We love you on HBO. And I'm like, I'm dying to tell him I'm not yeah, that guy. Yeah. You know, but he's not going to believe me anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have no idea how many times I was on Sony and they would be doing like a Sony a lot thing with uh -huh. the tourists like the and shit. Yeah. You know, like, and people would go, there he is. Uh. And I'll never forget <laughs> two guys actually getting off the thing. And the guy yelling at him, you can't get off. They ran to me at Sony and yeah. hugged me. And they're like, bro, we're from fucking Jersey. We love you. They hugged me. And I'm like, guys, I'm not him. I'm Joey Diaz. Yeah. I'm Cuban. And they walked away going, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. We know you're lying to us. <laughs> fuck you. What about the night my friend's mother made chicken cutlets? I love Italian chicken cutlets. And I was staying with her oh. off of Route 17 in Jersey. And I go to Rascal's. And I go to get the chicken cutlet, and I'm now I'm I'm a little crazy, like our boy here. I had chicken cutlets waiting for me, but I also had a gram of coke at the house waiting for me. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't wait to get home, and I got fucking lost. And I see a donut place, like one of those Korean donut-owned places on Route 3435. And I pull in, I see two cops in there, and they just freeze. They just freeze like I was a criminal with a machine gun. Uh. And they're like, can we help you? And I'm like, I need to get to 1735 Garrett Road and I'm lost. You know, usually some guy goes, all right, go down and make a left. Mm -hmm. He thought I was big pussy. He goes, they put their coffee down follow and they go, me. follow us. They put a cop in front of me and a cop <laughs> behind me. Drove me to Nolan Street, 13 something Nolan Street in Marlboro. And here's the best, My, the guy who I was staying with was down there doing coke. And he was paranoid. They had their lights oh on. Oh my God. He dumped the Coke. He got all paranoid, dumped uh, the Coke. I come in, he's like, What's stuff. going on? I go, You're not going to believe it. He goes, What do you mean? Because he used to get <laughs> fucked up, this guy. He would get so coked up, he would knock on his parents' door and they would say, <laughs> Go away. Stop doing that white lightning. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> He was nuts, this guy. <sighs> I grew up with them, the De Lorenzos. They were fucking nuts. But I used to, whenever <laughs> I go, I had a deal with him that whenever I go back to Jersey, I stayed with him. We knew each other since he was kids. But on Friday, he would go off the deep end. And one night, his mother woke me up at four and she's like, You got to help me with Chrissy. I go, What's the matter? She goes, He's outside naked with a light. He was so paranoid on the Coke. That he said there was a leprechaun outside. <laughs> so I had to go outside with his father, with his poor 80-year-old Italian father, tackle him at four oh, in the morning and bring him in the house. And I'll never forget, sit him down and put the robe on him. And he was all coked up and he's shaking. And Robbie scene for your life story movie, right? Yeah. Robbie, he looks over at me and he goes, I almost had him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like I had so many, so many people over the years were like Shit. so, and then I finally got to meet Vincent at the premiere of Grudge Match. Okay, yeah. We bumped into each other in the stairway and he was like, Jesus Christ, I've been taking so much slack for you over the years. Because yeah. oh. people come up to me thinking you're Joey Diaz. Right. Yeah. Wow. So it's like both of us are getting beat up for each other. <laughs> but it was at one time, it was so prevalent that my stepfather 
my my stepfather's wife, we were on the phone, and she goes, so how are you doing with the show? And I go, what show are you talking about? And she goes, the one on HBO, The Sopranos. Juan's telling everybody you're on the show. Somebody saw you on the show. I go, that's not me. My stepfather, who raised me from the age of 6 to 13, thought, thought it, was it was me. Wow. So for the last two years of his life, he thought I was big pussy. <laughs> I couldn't even say nothing to him. Oh, my God. I couldn't say nothing to him. It was just so funny. So well, what a full circle thing, though. Yeah, like now you're part of the prequel. And it's fucking. It crazy. You were destined. You were destined. It's exactly. just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Do you feel like? Uh, do you feel like right now, with everything you've been through, like this is the best time of your life? Hmm. I, I love what's going on right now because I like doing this twice a week. Listen, I'm to an age where I don't know if I can have another scripty come up to me. And tell me the word is the, yeah. and you're like, come here. Yeah. You know nobody watches this piece of shit yeah. show, right? Do you know that nobody watches it? You get a point too. Nobody watches this show. Who gives a fuck if the word is the or and? Mm -hmm. I'm to that point. You know, if it's something I really want to do, if they shoot at CBS Radford, and I get out of there by lunchtime, I'm all in. You know. Mm -hmm. But yeah. besides that, this I was excited about shooting. Hesitant, almost didn't take it. Yeah. Almost didn't take it. Why? It took Tom Papa to convince me. I just didn't know. I, di I wasn't sure. You know, and I'm friends with Rob, the guy who's uh, also in the movie, Rob Bernthal. You yeah. know, John Bernthal. Oh, he's fucking rad. So I didn't really know. Yeah. He was great on your show. Yeah, great. he's always great. Yeah. He's always great. He's going to be on in two weeks. It was, it was so weird. I didn't really know. So... It was a guy named Tom Papa, a comedian named Tom Papa, yeah. who I asked, and he goes, fuck it, do it, go for it. Yeah. But just go in there and give him fucking hell. And I thought about Andy Garcia and Godfather 2, 3, because I was like, I'm Cuban. I'm I don't Cuban. Want, I know, I don't want the them time. to get fucking <laughs> slack, you know. But you got the Jewish side, so they that passes. Is that why? <laughs> you know, yeah. Is that why it passed? Yeah. You got to watch this thing. Uh, when you have time, it's really interesting. It's called uh, The History of Jews in Cuba. It's on YouTube, mm. 1902 to 2000-something. And you're going to be so fucking impressed. Yeah. Like what these, and it's hysterical at the same time. Yeah. Like they asked, you see this old Jew get on a plane in 1962 <laughs> and right. in Cuba, and they're like, what do you think? And they're like, we saw Auschwitz already. This is the second one. <laughs> it's fucking, and Shit. they're leaving Cuba. Oh, my god! And they went to Miami and opened up their own temple, like Hasba, whatever, Gonzalez. You right. gotta, you gotta watch this. I will. It's fucking brilliant. I will. Who's Cuban in your side? My mom, but your she mom. converted to Judaism when she married my dad. Okay. So she grew up, you know, Catholic. But she spoke Spanish at the house. Still does, yeah. And my grandmother's ninety-eight, living in Manhattan still. Cuban so woman. Cuban woman. You like the food? You miss it? Love the food. Yeah, I still, I still, I make a little ropa vieja. Do you really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's a good cook. What, is, what was your favorite recipe that your mom made growing up? I mean, when we came home from school, just like the platanos, you know, like that was like our snack when we were home from school. No it was the shit. Best. Yeah. yeah but... And condensed milk. Can, like so much condensed milk. My mom told me that when she would, when, when my grandmother stopped nursing, like she gave her condensed milk in mm. the bottles. I didn't realize what a Cuban thing that is. It's, it's a Middle Eastern like, thing too. Is it? Yeah. My mom's got always got a can of carnation. In yeah. The it is horrible. <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a guy named Ozzy Osbourne. Right, sure. you know, Ozzy Osbourne, and his first bass player's name is Rudy Sarzo, straight up Cuban. And over the years, we've met, and yeah. it's so weird how he's anti-Cuban food because he wants to stay in shape because uh, there's yeah. no way there's nothing healthy. There's nothing healthy. Cubans take that condensed milk, yeah. and they put it. They put three fingers in a glass, and they put mateba, 
a soda called Matemba. It's like a root soda. It's in like a mm-hmm. dark bottle, right? It's, it's like, and they use uh, whatever, Malta too. Yeah. They'll put Malta in Ugh. condensed milk. Let me tell you something. When you go to an Italian restaurant and you have the flan that's nice and light, <laughs> go to that. a Cuban's house and have the flan. It weighs 80 fucking pounds. <laughs> totally. Why? Because totally. it's got condensed milk in it. It just yeah. sits in your fucking stomach. Yeah. Cubans put condensed, the Cuban diet will fucking kill you. There's no way. Like, if my mom was still alive, I'd be 800 pounds and kicking because I didn't give a fuck. You know, they have a re- they have a thing called Where Walk Ohio. What's that? What the fuck is that? It's a <laughs> bowl of white rice right? for breakfast, a steak with two eggs on top, and you're supposed to cut the yolk over the fucking steak with the fucking rice. It's called Where Walk Ohio. So it's an egg on horseback. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, where walk are you? My mom said before she went to school, she would have three glasses in front of her: a cracked egg that she would drink just raw, a little red wine, and condensed milk. And condensed and milk. That's before school. Went, that's what she went. All Hell the yeah! Wow. And my mom, gripping and gripping. I was like, that would be so much easier in the mornings for me to just give my kids that. <laughs> my mom forced me to have fucking uh, emulsive of cod, that was oh. also big in Cuba. Emulsive of cod, emulsion de cod. It's thick, <laughs> it's white, and it tastes like dick. Now, <laughs> these young kids, it's strawberry flavored and right, fucking, right. you know, almond coconut flavored. When I was a kid, my mom would check under my eyeballs. Cuban moms are the worst. They check on the eyeballs and they see if there's no blood in your eye, and they're like, that's it. They'll put a penny on your forehead, <laughs> fucking emulsive of cod, and she would, you know, make me drink it until I fucking barfed. It was just a different world. It was <laughs> yeah. just a different world, yeah. man. With, with all the shit, because you talk about all the crazy shit you've done and all the whatever, if you could change one thing about all of it, like your whole life, if you go back and change one, just one thing. My first marriage. Mm. You cancel it I'd or cancel you do it, it different? I'd cancel it. Yeah. I would have canceled it out. Really? Yeah, that's the only thing. I don't mind the prison thing. I don't mind, you know, you have to, everybody has to have a personal Vietnam in their life. If not, this life ain't worth it. God's yeah. just not going to give you a life. Yeah, You're going to wake up one day and be on the Sopranos and, <laughs> you know, hang out with Jimmy and fucking, you know, Bruno Tataglia, you know, <laughs> and fuck, it's not that, that easy. We all have a personal Vietnam, but if I could eliminate one Vietnam, <laughs> it's my wife, my first wife. I feel bad for her. I have a 30-year-old daughter I haven't spoken to in 15 years because of it, because it was just, we were talking, it was just, yeah, it, listen, you have to sometimes in life wipe your 20s away. Mm-hmm. Your 20s are a shit fucking time. Yeah. Whatever you did in your 20s really doesn't count. You were a dumb fuck. You were yeah. a dumb fuck. That's why I don't believe in sending your 18-year-old kid to college. We don't even know how to wipe our asses at 18. We're going to pick what we want to do for the next 80 fucking years. It's crazy. Tell them to get a job selling cars for one year, and then they'll fucking realize what it is to earn a dollar and what they want to do, you know? But what are we talking about? You did, You answered it. What's that? Regrets. Regrets. Yeah. It was that. that yeah, that's yeah. the biggest thing is that. I didn't like that marriage. It made me, I failed as a father and I failed as a husband. Now, I've been married for 20 years. My house is fucking peace. It's not a Cuban house. I couldn't grow up in a fucking another Cuban house. Mm-hmm. Too much yelling. Yeah. I had a six foot statue of St. Lazarus in my house. <laughs> so every time I woke up in the morning, I thought I was getting burglar out. <laughs> I'd walk around the corner for burglar. But Jesus, <laughs> fuck my. Do I really need a six foot statue of a fucking St. Lazarus <laughs> with two fucking crutches getting his legs licked by a dog? You know? Uh, that I didn't want that craziness. I didn't want that yelling. I didn't, my house is very peaceful. You know, my daughter. I, I, I look at my daughter, I'm like, fucking seven years old, she ain't done dick. Yeah. My daughter can't even cross Laurel Canyon. She can't even cross Laurel Canyon. At seven, I was running back and forth on Broadway. I yeah. was a lookout for a bookmaking operation. I yeah. got stitches. I played hooky. I got beat up in Central Park. Filling out those football cards. So, no, no, I didn't do those till later. <laughs> I beat up Rudy the Haitian. You know, finally I got to beat up Rudy the Haitian. And we were from, like my daughter, like I, I realized how fucked up of a childhood I had. Not really, not really. But this is the comparison. 
I'm not good at games. Like I, I'm really embarrassed with my daughter. Like when my daughter wants to play certain games, I don't have, I, but I never learned, I never played poker either. I never shot dice. I never did any of those things because I was a city kid. Yeah. I was always outside. You know, we played Battleship one time. B, 59, miss. 622, miss. Wait a second. 622. Wait a second. We could just stop this and go outside and throw rocks at each other. Yeah. That's a lot better. What do you think? Because in New York, every summer, they would replant the trees. Right. They would put these little dirt balls in the trees. If you got hit with them, they just exploded. Yeah. So we yeah. want to sit in here like an asshole and sit here for two hours. G4, miss. <laughs> 9A, miss. Let's just go outside and throw rocks at each other. And everybody gets it. We get vitamin D. We breathe. Right. Yeah. So it's so weird how I look at my daughter now and go, oh, my God, I'm not good at it. Like, I played Monopoly till it was time to play, pay for a hotel. Once we had to play a hotel, that, that's it. That's too much. Time out. I got shit to do. I got to go smoke some pot. I got to go to church. I got to go to CYO basketball. My daughter doesn't have that. Like, I see that, you know, she's good. This society today, we're inside. I get her out. I'm old school. Not like if I on Saturdays, I'm like, why is she here at 10 o'clock? Yeah, to my wife, why is she at 10 o'clock? I need her over there at nine because these people take their kids home at 12. So if you bring her over at 11, she only runs around for one hour. She's a fucking thoroughbred. You got to run this little <laughs> fucking savage. She's a fucking savage. You got to yeah. run her, you know. So, so you, uh, you know, I want to. We'll wrap it up and everything, but you, like some of the like you gave some of the best advice I ever heard on podcast, which is like people want a wiretap, right? They don't want a, a a show and hey, today we're here with Bun. We have fucking a format of this, but like, do you have any other advice for? We're just starting out. We're just we're just getting going, but we want to keep doing this. We love doing it. What do you uh? You have any advice for us? Because you're. It seems like you guys are having a great time here. I had a great time today. Yeah, this I'm really is very easy going straight up you know it's a conversation it is it's just a conversation it's got to be honest it's got to be from your heart you know and that's it we keep these things simple that that's it you know you go to a hotel room you ever go to a hotel room you hear people fucking next door five out of ten you put the glass against the wall you know what i'm saying like and you just listen i'm not saying you're gonna whack off but you just listen yeah uh, uh, <laughs> If they're Spanish, hi, papi, no. No, no, no. You know, the whole fucking thing. But that's what a podcast is, basically. Some people try to turn it into radio. Like, I do some podcasts, they got a fucking music director. Are yeah, you yeah. fucking retarded? This is a podcast, <laughs> yeah. you know? Why do we have a guy in the back with a trumpet? Mm -hmm. You know, stuff like that. Another guy just called me as a SAG podcast. A SAG podcast? Yeah, like, you, to do the podcast, you got to sign... A sag way. Wow. I'm like, why is there all this drama? Yeah, because yeah. they're not having their friends on. Right? I wanted. I when I started doing a podcast, I wanted the <clears> podcast <throat> to be how I felt when I listened to Richard Pryor albums as a kid. Like you had, like Jamie, come on, and we put Richard Pryor on, but then we put the Beatles White album over it. So if your mother came in the room, I would just drop the white album and put that on. And they're like, what are you guys doing? We'll listen to the white album. Yeah. You know, we'll, 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 we'll listen to Richard Pryde talking about cocaine and fucking Africa and winos. And, you know, yeah. so that's what I wanted a podcast to be like. Like, shut the door. Shut the door. Jamie's on with Robert. You yeah. know, like that's yeah. what I wanted it to be like. That's great yeah. advice. So. You know, J Jamie listened in on two people having sex in a hotel room once. It turned out it was a girl getting raped and she fucking saved her. Yes. Oh my God. You ruined one one guy's it, day. Well, <laughs> it was it was it was noise that woke <clears throat> me up and I uh I was like, this sounds peculiar. So I did put my ear to it and I heard her struggling and then I heard a bottle break. And my instinct was just to run in the hallway. And I remember my mom being like, no, don't go anywhere. And when I went in the hallway, there were people like out the door, but not doing anything. And I saw her hand like trying to get out the door. So I kicked the door and I, I must have startled them all back. And she scrambled on the floor and I pulled her into my room, locked it. And I just remember being like, what is he wearing? And she was like, 
His name is James. I just broke a bottle over his head. He's wearing a striped shirt. He has a British accent. So I called downstairs and I was like, there's a girl that was just attacked by a guy named James. He's bleeding from his head, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. And then I had to like testify and the, the, everything. Crazy, huh? But you know what was cool is so she was this runaway um, living in hostels, trying to find a job. This guy said he was going to help her. He had stolen passports. He was like a, you know, a classic criminal. And one of the cops that was working on the case adopted her. It, like a couple of months later and she went and joined the army. Wow. And she like sent me a letter, you know, maybe a year or two after it. You saved the life, man. It's you know it's just one of those things where like I always like to say like anyone would do that in that situation like how could you not like you hear somebody suffering. I mean, she's a superhero. She's our know. she's our little superhero. I did my good deed. We uh so what we're gonna so this <laughs> this bracket is gonna be over the years as you come in here we're gonna go down the line because we got it March Madness style and we're gonna <laughs> figure out after five years into this podcast we're gonna figure out what makes you the most fucking angry. Yeah. Of all this all this stuff. Wow. I got like 40 more things. Love seeing you piss. So far, I think it's ranch dressing. <laughs> yeah, I've never <laughs> seen anyone vote. lit up over ranch. Oh. Ranch. I got some good ones. I got a couple things that just fucking piss me off, but some things you just shut up about. Where'd your mom meet your dad? Uh, at a club called the Hunkabunka. Where? In, I don't know, Queens. Oh, really? Yeah. Where'd your so mom she, grow she up? She came over in 61 in Project Peter Pan. Okay. And then she, when my grandmother came about a year later, they she grew up in Washington Heights. No shit. Yeah. It's so funny that, like, I have a friend, Mike Kessler, and he's Jewish, and his brother was the Mambo King of New York in, like, 1959 because yeah. the Jewish guys liked the Spanish girls. Mm -hmm. So they would all go to the Spanish clubs. Like, so all these Jewish guys had to learn how to mambo and shit because, <laughs> so yeah, funny. they like Jewish girls, they but do. they'd rather be with the Spanish girls. Yeah, It's so weird how they just... Uh, my mom says she remembers it being a thing. It was a thing. With my dad, like, yeah. she's with a Cuban girl. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, it was like, a thing. From, especially from his parents being like... Oh, yeah. Like, I grew up with another Jewish kid and he dated a Cuban girl, and he ended up going to Harvard. And the summer, like the day before he left, his dad pulled him aside and said, did you break up with the Cuban girl? And he's like, what were you talking about? He goes, that was just a fling. He goes, for you to move on and for you to get the family money and the business, oh. you can't come in here with no Cuban girl. You got to show up. You got to oh. go back to the yeshiva. <laughs> he got to show up with a nice little Jewish girl. I've yeah. never dated a Jewish guy in my life. I don't know why. Just it's just a crazy. That's, that's a Cuban, a any Cuban guys? It is clearly. Any never Cuban? dated a Cuban guy. A lot of Italians. A lot. Well, of you're Italian from Long Island, so yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just makes sense. Yeah, and they loved you. Yeah, yeah honorary. Uh, Member of the tribe. I, I guess. thought she was Italian up until an hour ago. You did. Yeah. You really? Did. <laughs> you did. She said it. He said it earlier. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I grew up more Italian than anything yes, else. Yes, exactly. Me yeah. too. By far. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I was surrounded. It's a beautiful culture. It's it's and it's similar. I think it's very similar to like it has a lot of the same like Hispanic qualities and Jewish qualities of the, the family and the food and mm -hmm. the intenseness of the it mom it's, it's familiar it's especially in middle eastern culture it's like a lot of it revolves around the mother you know mm -hmm. like the cooking yeah. and like the you know it's this it's is the weirdest thing like i grew up in a primarily italian neighborhood and i gotta be honest with you i never really faced racism you know they would break my balls from time to time and call me spick but it was all <laughs> out of love yeah. right you've mm -hmm. never seen the love i received when my mom died, yeah, they all came to the funeral with their best suits on, and like, I took me years. Like, how many Italian families came to me? Like, my uncle came to me, my aunt came to me in Miami, mm -hmm. and they're like, "You can live with us." But it was such an old, like, so, so many of the kids in the neighborhood, the Benders, the Balzanos, the guy that shot the guy seven times in yeah. the back, he had lost his son in the eighth grade. So I kind of replaced the son mm. as part of the family. 
So when my mom died, I was supposed to move there, the honorary choice. But I was like the first round draft choice. I was looking for the first best house to go to because I had air conditioning, I had HBO as a kid, (laughs) I had a carpet. All these other kids had brothers, they had a shared bedroom. But I never understood the amount, like the Danny Longos came out. All these Italian families reached out to me. Why? What's the most sacred word in Italy? Mama. So they couldn't, like, they overlooked Spanish. They overlooked everything just because it was my mother. Like, all these Italians came out. and I ended up being raised by Italians. So I want to thank them. And that's another reason why I was proud to be a part of that. Yeah. Because I'm giving them all back that gift. Yeah. You know? Well, we can't wait to see you. Yeah, that's gonna be. Yeah, great. I can't yeah. wait to. to Joey, see. look, we want to thank you when when you had Rob on on your show. We got a ton of uh, church listeners yeah. that came over, and it was a big bump for us. So thanks for that. And also, just it's been great to watch you. Kind of, I've been watching you for years, and I feel like it's never been a better time to be Joey Diaz. You well, know, it's like it's, it's, it's been great, and it's great and it's great alive. to see somebody who's put in so much hard work over the years and and see that it pays off if you just stick with it. You yeah, know, and yes. and weed's legal now. It's like how happy are you? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I got great to be so Joey fucked Diaz. up last night by mistake. <laughs> by mistake, <laughs> because I she, I hate when that happens. The baby was sick, so I, could, I didn't really. So we we watched like Descendants too. So those movies are so fucking bad. I'm like, I walked into the room and I saw a little thing of edibles and I popped two and then I go, maybe I should pop three. Uh. And I ate the three of them and I'm out there with it and we're watching Descendants and all of a sudden I look up and it's like a quarter is eight and I'm like, where is she? And my wife's like, she's in the tub. She goes, you fell asleep. I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> and, I, and I remember coming out, kissing me and then opening up my eyes at 11 o'clock going, where the fuck is my wife? And this morning, my wife's like, you got to knock it off with those edibles. You just fucking passed out last night. I just went out. I got up this morning. I had to drink coffee, coffee at a breakfast meeting. Then I had to go home and do a double, a a four cup. That's the problem. A four cup mutelo. A four cup with like stevia. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my, my grandmother's, my spoon stands up. There's so much sugar in it. Yeah, I can't deal with that. It's so, so fucking good. Well, any of our listeners who don't listen to church or what's happening, yes. which I don't think there are any, Joey yeah. Diaz is the best. Every, what's Mad Flavors World? Mad That's the Flavors Instagram. World Instagram. Everybody, show them love. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much for having yes. me and thinking about me. Thank you very much. Thank you. You guys Thank are you. great.